this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Wow, what a week in Leafland. Holy moly, I don't even know where to start. Welcome back to Leafs Late Night presented by Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Roscoe, joined by Steph the Fanalist, Sunny, and Beaner. It's just been a fantastic run of games. I mean, I said it, it's been four games. They've got a plus 17 goal differential. They've only allowed four goals against, three shutouts, and a 969 save percentage, I think. Like, that's, that's insane. Marner hits 23 games. Uh, what's Matthews at now? Like eight, I think. Uh, Bunting's on a streak of his own, and the Leafs are f- at nine. Fifteen games now uh, without uh, a regulation loss, approaching Damn. the yeah, franchise cool. record. Like I, this is just an unbelievable time to be a Leafs fan and to be able to talk about it, man. Like what? What two great regular seasons we've been blessed with to talk about? Eh, for our first two. Absolutely. But like Marner, why you got to do me dirty, man? <laughs> we, we 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 had that prediction. I was predicting twenty two games. I even you know put a little shizitz on it to kind of make it real. Everything was looking good. He was rolling, and but uh, no, all, all kidding aside, freaky. My phone's at twenty two twenty two. There we go. <laughs> all all kidding aside, it was like, and and you even commented on it in the chat there, Roscoe that. The, the way he's playing is just incredible. It's like he can't do any wrong, and the guys were even talking about it on the broadcast. It's, it's not like he's getting freebie points, right? He is all over the puck. He's commanding the puck. He is Every second he's out there, he's all over the place. He's not just getting points here and there. He is driving play the way that you would expect someone of his skill level. Yeah, and there was a clip before the game they showed from the Calgary game, which, apologies, we did not get to talk about. I'm still moving. It's been a bit of a... A change, and we had Christmas parties going on on Saturday. Uh, but Marner was able to uh, force a turnover, take a shot, and then on the rebound that went the other way, he chased the puck all the way back the other way, forced the turnover again, and turned the puck around in his own end. So it, literally a two hundred foot player. It's insane what he's able to do. The the pass that he made from literally on his ass, like come on. <laughs> yeah definitely from that other game and even tonight guys like Marner before we hit record I was just chatting with Beaner and Sally like like you said he's unstoppable and this is what we've been raving about and expecting from years before and like yes people mature people grow but tonight man we ordered roasted duck we got some glaze on it <laughs> we got all the fixins. like <laughs> it was perfection and all thanks to the whole team like only one person out of the course scored guys it was the rest was from our bottom six this is great news and only four forwards coming out of this game without a point i mean that's fantastic it's it's like we always talk about whenever the leaves dominate a team it seems to be full lineup effort like it's never really just one uh one group of people on it's like the whole team's on everybody's scoring and, you know, we saw it once or twice last year, but this is now like the third or fourth time that they've absolutely hemmed the other team in. And it's really what you expect of this team. Like at the beginning of the season, they were taking a lot of nights off against 
bottom feeder teams and it, it was frustrating everybody. And now they're saying, you know what? Fine. Let's pick up our points on these games. And it's so fun to watch. Yeah, it has to be like that because every game they go into, like ninety five percent of these games are going to be the more skilled team than the opponent. So if they're up, there's no sense in falling back and trying to protect a lead. Their best defense is their offense. You know, when they're cycling the puck in the offensive zone, they're going back to the points. They're just controlling time of ice, and that's exceptionally like what they're doing really well right now. Yeah, they were not letting the puck leave Anaheim's end once they got it in there. Like, the battles behind the net were fantastic. Like, controlling the line. It was just, like you said, the, the offense was the best defense tonight. Well, but it, on the other hand of that, though, too, good good defense breeds legitimately good offense as well, yeah. right? You have, yep. you have your superstars. You have Matthews. You have Marner coming back every single shift supporting the defensemen, collapsing the way they're supposed to, back-checking like crazy, making sure that it's not any kind of an odd man situation in the defensive zone. And that just screws up the attacking team because there's that much more you got to worry about in your offensive end, and it causes extra odd man rushes. It, it causes any pressure that they could build to just dissipate almost immediately. It's helping our goaltenders. It's helping our injured defense come back. Like Brody, I don't think he's had too much stress since he's come back, which is perfect because that's what you want. You want to be eased back into it. And we've commented a couple times on Twitter and group chats and that even, you know, talking with Marty a couple times that it's, I, I don't recall a team playing this defensively, the forwards anyways, playing this defensively in, God, the last 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Like, a, 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 a Leafs team anyways. Like when your top forwards are going back and playing like as defensively sound as they are, that really permeates down the rest of the roster. And like it really shows like top to bottom, everyone is buying in on the system right now. Yeah, and I'm just looking at the numbers. It says that the Leafs had six giveaways tonight, which is insanely good. But going through individual stats, only four players are credited with a single giveaway. So, I mean, is it four or is it six? I don't know. But if we're looking at four guys, each with one giveaway, that is an insanely defensively tight team yeah that's really good you know guys coming into tonight we knew that the ducks are a horrible team (laughs) in every single (laughs) stat they're either 31st or 32nd on the chart aside from um i believe it is the number of michigan goals scored (laughs) yeah the dot where they're 27 (laughs) percent. but what i was looking for tonight was can they can they hold the lead and keep it held? Like because last time, the Leafs dropped the game in OT, and that was the night where Marner was really hard on himself, and there was a couple bad giveaways, two on ones, uh, Zegras doubled down, and it was just a shit show of a game. Right before we turned it around, and since then we have been fifteen one and four. But, you know, like you guys said, (laughs) horrible team. Leafs are going to drop it. You have that suspicion in the back of your mind. But they held it together and finally played a full, complete, mature game. Well, not finally. They're on a streak. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just looking through. Man, they are brutal. Klingberg, minus four on the night. Newly acquired off waivers. Magna, minus four. Carrick was a minus five. Oh, this team is brutal, man. Yeah, great game for Sam Sonov's 100th career game tonight. And Oh, good for wow. him. I missed that. Back-to-back shout-outs. Like, so much smile. How can you so not? Much. 
so much. Yeah, this team, like you said, is absolutely fucking brutal. Though, like their gap control for the Leafs was atrocious. They had so much space and time to do pretty much whatever they wanted. Yeah, like their cycle and their movement in the offensive zone was it looked like Pee Wee type of hockey, like an outclass team. Just yeah, it was brutal. And it started in the first period. Here we had uh, Timmins feeding it up to Angval who enters the zone with Kerfoot, which we've seen a lot over the last couple of weeks, but it usually ends with <laughs> nothing. But this time, hey, Kerfoot buries it for his third of the year. boy. Good on both of them, honestly. Like Brett Hall going down on one knee with that one-timer. This is what we want them to do, is just finish. They got all the way there for once. Good on them. I'm trying not to be negative about this. It's just like the fourth assist for Engvall and a third goal for Kerfoot. Come on. <laughs> But the first shot on net tonight for the Leafs. And that shit yep. went straight in Kerfoot's 200th NHL point. Come on, guys. That was Hell so yeah. nice. I was like, oh, my God, is this real life? Info <laughs> like, oh, and Kerfoot connecting. Timmins adding an assist on the night. Damn. Yeah, the Leafs, like, going down on that one knee suddenly, like you said. Whew, what a blast. Who saw that coming? And that pass from Timmins, too, like, just to take that extra second, he found uh, Engvall cutting through two people down the neutral zone. He kept his speed up, and then Engvall made a beautiful cross-ice pass to him, too. Like, it went through two people, and just a thing of beauty. Yeah, I mean... Looks looks like the Swiss Army knife got sharpened a bit. Well, yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. If they can keep this up, it's it's really going to add a lot to that uh, that third line, because, honestly, they're capable of it. They are. Last year, they showed it. They just got to find that confidence again, and hopefully this is a start to it. But one thing I've noticed with Simmons, I mean, I've been watching a lot of these games, unfortunately, um, on my phone or like at the bar when we were at our Christmas party on Saturday. But what I've seen so far of Timmons is his passing is great. He He's really good at finding people in open space. And look, he showed it again on the second goal, finding Marner, who, uh, who just, <laughs> this pass was unbelievable, just threw three people to uh, find Tavares in front of the net who gets the most John Tavares goal ever and just taps it in because he is able to just find the space. That's what he does best. Yeah. Timmins just finding Marner, like you said, and actually before making that pass, settling the puck down, searching his surroundings and looking for that open lane because he could have panicked and just, you know, shot the puck at the net. And I'm all for getting all pucks on the net but you know he took his time found marner who had all the time in the world it seemed and that perfect backhand feed Ooh, jt just right outside the paint didn't did not miss on that timmons for number two on the night damn are we keeping no, him up you're absolutely right like one of his best assets is he's able to slow the play down a little bit he takes that extra second he realizes what's coming at him like what's available to him and he does make that first Really, really good pass, and we kind of need that right now on defense. Yeah, and I think Sandine's been finding that as well, finally, after having yep. a, a rough start to the season. He's been, some of these stretch passes he's been making have been fantastic. Just being able to see the guy who's all the way down the ice instead of just, like you said, dumping it, they're they're able to see the guy who's in position and open for something instead. Go ahead. Yeah, I I, I agree. Connor has been, like, Timmons has been a very, very welcome addition and he we talked about a little bit before we came on here he's he's so calming when he's out there like uh, for some reason every time I see him out on the ice I'm not worried Uh, it's it's really refreshing seeing a young defenseman of his size that's that mobile that you're not worried about him making a mistake 
almost to the point, like, I think I was more worried about Sandman when he first came back because he was making some pretty bad, bad goofs with the puck when he first got back into the lineup. Um, but I, I've got to give him a shout out because I've talked so much shit about him over the past couple of years <laughs> and people have said it like Justin Hall. I don't know if it's the elevated ice time, if it's knowing that he doesn't have anybody insulating him, that if he does screw up, it's going to be even magnified that much more. But God, has he been playing well, especially since all the injuries have come down. I'm the first one to shit on him, so I'm, I got to be the first one to give him a props when he's been doing good. And me too. It seems like he's making sorry, he's making the smart plays, and I think like with people like Geo and now Timmins, the guys who really can slow the play down and just calm down a little bit, I think that's really rubbing off on him. So if he can just keep doing the smart and easy plays, like getting out of the zone easy and not coughing it up, then. He's definitely like a valuable asset on the uh, back end. Yeah, it seems like you got the talk. Like, you know, Riley's down, Brody's down, Muzzin's down, Mete's down, Ben's down. You are literally the most veteran next to Mark Giordano on the defensive lineup. So you need to step it up or you're going to get scratched for some guy on the Marlies. So mm-hmm. it's time to shine. Let's do it. And he's done it. Honestly, I got to give it to him. Like Beaner said, I've been so hard on Justin Hall since we started this show. He has been fantastic over the last, what is it, 12, 13 games that we've been down all these defensemen. He's yeah. been very consistent. Like, Yeah, consistent oh, yeah. at least. Like not, not too many. Like really before it was, you could pin a, like literally pin a goal on him. Like for the first once a game, yeah. For the first 10 15 games, it was like, and that goal was directly Justin Hall's fault, but uh, yeah. And if he takes that out of his game, then he's a really he's a usable defenseman for the Leafs, yeah. Yeah, two takeaways tonight, and just back on Timmons for one sec. I made a little joke in our Discord, you know, Dubis <clears throat> really likes uh, what he knows, so he must have uh, his emergency contact filled with all the Sue Greyhounds phone numbers because thank God for Connor Timmons. Oh my God, what a replacement for being what the ninth, tenth, eleventh, whatever guy next up, right? Well, I mean, I think they got him to to not be the 11th guy to kind of jump that lineup a bit so they wouldn't have to go that deep. And I, I loved what we've seen from him. I mean, he got the three-pack of 10 bits tonight. Got another assist. Literally three goals in a row. He had assists on the first three. And yes, I call that a three-pack of 10 bits. <laughs> so yeah. uh, Matthews, uh, they were cycling this around. I don't, it was so many goals ago. I don't quite remember it, stuff. I'm sure you've got notes. But uh, Brody slaps one, and it hits off of what we thought was a leaf at first, but turned out to be a skate of a duck. A du- it was a duck wing. <laughs> a duck wing. Not to mention Willie slapping Bunting in the face with a stick. Oh, really? I missed that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how about that sprawling block by Brody in the first period? Oh, oh my so God. Good. Like, oh. A, like a slip and slide. This guy is not afraid of anything. He'll go face first at it if you gave him the chance. But Vitrano and Terry, two on one. A little bit of panic moment. And uh, lo and behold, Mark Giordano just going for a little slippy slide and blocking the biggest shot of the night, maybe, or one of the higher danger chances for the Ducks. Yeah, Gio's got to be careful. I don't think he's making enough money for those hospital bills if he's blocking that many shots. <laughs> he's in Canada now, so no fees. <laughs> That's fair. Got to be careful on the road, buddy. What am I talking about? They got the best medical staff in the world. 
But uh, he's also got that old North contract. He's all right. Yeah. Also, with regards to Kyle Dubas, I know everybody likes to talk about it, and there is something just ridiculously odd at the fact that how many Sioux Greyhounds come on the team. But, like, Dubas wasn't there when Simmons was on the Greyhounds. Dubas wasn't there when Thornton was on the Greyhounds. Dubas was still in fucking diapers at that point. <laughs> um, Dubas had already left when Timmons was there and when Sandine was there. Yes, mm. it's a fun narrative, but I think maybe some people might need to kind of lay off it a little bit. What I think it comes down to is that it, it's almost like a second scouting pipeline, right? Like they've got the connections to the team, so they probably get the phone call like, hey, you know, you should keep an eye on these guys that came out of our system. They were really good. And it's just, I, can, I think it's just an insider tip that they get from from the Greyhounds, right? Like so many of them between, you know, Keith and Dubas, and I think more like the goalie coach and other guys all worked with the Greyhounds. So it's it's connections that they can call up and say, hey, what did you think of these guys when they were in the system? Are they worth going after? Because look, I mean, Timmins isn't somebody that anybody else was looking at. The Leafs gave up next to nothing for him. So they probably... Mm-hmm called up and said, hey, what do you think of this guy? He, we can get him right now. And they probably got good notes on him. That's the only thing I can take from Which it. Which is so crazy because just over a year ago, he was a key part in Colorado, like the trade going to Arizona for Colorado acquiring Darcy Kemper. He was a highly like touted the, prospect. Like this guy had some pedigree. Just, he didn't really fit in Arizona. And hopefully like he finds his niche here because it's really looking like he is. Well, he missed like 60-something games last year with a knee injury. So I think it's more that nobody's given him the shot. And the Leafs, again, because they have the medical staff, have been able to give these guys that uh, are pretty broken a chance to recover and, and play hockey again. I mean, fuck, look at, my, look at Matt Murray. Look at, I mean, Ilya Samsonov, too, had history of a couple injuries and these guys look like they've uh are in the prime of their careers again yeah uh yeah. lily not looking injured at all tonight i have to give him some props mm-hmm. just because i appreciate a huge slapper from the point and every opportunity he gets if he has the time and space he <laughs> shoots that puck to the net and he did it yeah, he twice in the first period one after another and damn like it's just so nice and refreshing to see the d come up and take the shot I don't know. It seemed like out of the narrative for the Leafs for so long. It has been since mm-hmm. probably like McCabe. Right? Yeah. God. And even then, like McCabe and Caberlet were uh, a different ilk of shot there. Like uh, nobody was ever taking big slap shots. What, like Hal Gill had a slap shot from the point? Like who in the last 20 the years? The guy is 18 feet one. tall. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like they haven't had anybody that's like a towering defenseman with a huge yeah. slap shot. So to see that these guys are, are not even just slappers, but like like Brody's was kind of uh, one that snuck through and hit off somebody, right? So it's just the fact that these guys are all taking shots now, have the confidence to come up in the play. It's just it speaks to how offensively dominant this team is. And it seems well, like they're doing it at smart times too, because if the power play is not working down low on the walls, then they will take it to the point and they will try and get the deflections or like tippins in front. And that's something like we haven't seen in quite a while. Mm-hmm. That's it's it's such an underrated skill that type of 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 play like you just mentioned Sully, like someone who i used to marvel at it who was just absolutely incredible at getting the puck through from the point was lidstrom mm-hmm. nope you could never accuse lidstrom of having a hard slap shot i'm sure he had a decent one but it wasn't the smartest play to use it he is the first player that i can recall consistently watching and saying you know what 
he meant to miss the net there. He's banking that off the boards yeah. to Holmstrom standing out front to bury in the garbage, right? Like there's a, a science and a, a very underrated skill at getting a puck through from the blue line. You don't just have to hammer it. You just, you got to get it through at the right times. It doesn't have to be the hardest shot, just, you know, a little bit more accurate. And I think sometimes some of our guys, nothing against Riley, but I think sometimes he just rushes it a little bit. Maybe take that extra second to kind of wait and place it where you really want it. Um, and I, it's such so underrated. We don't see it that often. And I, I don't know if someone's been working on it with the Leafs, but I feel like a lot more has been getting through over over the last handful of games, whether it's luck, whether it's the streak that we're on, who knows? Yeah, because look, Brody's shot wasn't going towards the net. He was trying to get that through for a rebound or to hit off of somebody, and that's exactly what it did. It hit off of probably not what yeah. he was aiming for, which was a, an Anaheim skate in the air. But uh, hey, it went in. Yeah, yeah, and when like you're not doing a huge windup, and you can take an extra second to change your angle, that you know that prevents that other forward from blocking that shot. And to Beener's point. Even if you get a little bit off to the side of the net, if you hit a shin pad or something like that, you're going to get a rebound, and we're getting a lot of scoring opportunities from that. Yeah. Look at the bunting goal from the Calgary game. Yeah. Off the back, off the backboards, he's out front to bury the garbage, right? Like. Well, and I was just going to say that was Bunting's goal in this one too that he got the next goal in the, the back second end period one. here. Yeah, it was uh, one that came back out on a rebound, and he was able to bury it. So, and there was a couple of those, wasn't that? Engvalls too, or no? Somebody else had one like that. Anderson at the end. Hard to keep track after that. I know after the shot from uh, the shot from Holmberg came back out. Anderson was able to grab that, so there was a lot of that tonight. I didn't know the Scotiabank Arena was having a Hall and Oates concert tonight. Man, it's been a Hall and Oates concert there for a while. Like this is crazy. Something. To a note. Shout out to the crowd too. Like they were fucking loud tonight. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And something to note in the second period: uh, John Gibson went to the bench and did not come back. So that Brody yeah. goal was against Dostal, which who I thought was supposed to start tonight. So did I just hear wrong, or did they switch? Or do he, you guys know? He started last night in Ottawa. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yes, and they were shut out 3 nothing. So tonight I expect the Ducks coming full force. And they kind of, you know, did that in the first period with the shot counter. But, hey, I don't know. The Leafs just powered back and they were able to sink everything and even had a too many men penalty go in their favor for once. <laughs> yeah, that's actually worth mentioning. So the second period, you've had three straight power plays, like one coming off the end of the first and then two more, and they got nothing there. Like that was a little kind of, I mean, look, it's hard to be frustrated in a seven, nothing game, but like, it's just strange that when you're this, on and just caving in your opponent that you can't score on the power play like that just seemed weird it's like as soon as it, it got in their heads or something it wasn't like well, they weren't pressing though. no like, not at all like they had chances and they had a lot of control they just didn't really end up bearing one and to be fair they could have had a lot more penalty like power plays because oh Lander got clipped in the face there was a lot of tripping especially in the third period when they could have six nothing a lot of interference behind the net with like uh pucks that the, nobody has yeah yeah and it's like, obviously I've mentioned it tons of times. I've never played at this level, but I've played a lot of ball hockey. I played a lot of hockey. Um, and you can kind of get to a point. I've been on some really bad teams where we're not having the greatest season this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, you, you look for one thing. 
like, you know what, guys? We're going to win on face-offs tonight. Or Just find a win. One one thing that you can hold your head high about, that you know, even if you're getting destroyed. So maybe that was just them. Like, look, these guys are lighting us up as it is. Let's not give them anything on the power play. Let's collapse. Let's block everything. Let's, let's help out Dostal as much as we can. And, and let's, let's just do it. And it sounds really silly, but there's certain points where you can't explain it. You can't duplicate it or else, you know, you'd be able to go out there and win 82 games in a row. But there's certain times in a game or a series or something like that where you one certain thing you can focus on and that's like nobody's beating you. Mm-hmm. I used to have yeah, it playing I... against my cousin. My cousin used to put a team in against <laughs> me all the time and hit the rest of his team could get five goals against me. doesn't matter. There was no way he was ever scoring against me and he went many, many games without scoring. And then he started <laughs> lighting me up, but like something can click and you can focus on one thing with all your focus and, and accomplish it. Even if everything else is going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. And coming from a team that has like a 30th overall penalty kill, I think it was like 66%. That's, you know, it's a small victory for them tonight. 32nd. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) I know so bad. Right. But honestly, today, man, the shots just, told the story in a sense and last game gave me kind of ptsd because the leafs were up 3-1 going into the third and the leafs were doing pretty well and anything could happen right Mm -hmm. so after the fourth goal bunting you know cleaning up that loose change taking his nine point game streak damn kudos to marner for taking that point shot that created the rebound off of dostal uh who knew? Well, we we knew, but I don't know if he knew that he had such a great shot because <laughs> he's finally using it more often, in a sense, with confidence, I mean. Yeah, yep. and I mean, look, there's no better season to do it. Goaltending is uh, not good all around the league. So if you're going to start shooting, start shooting now. It's working for McDavid. <laughs> it's got to work for him. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, but second period shots were 17 to 6 for the Leafs, uh, 31 to 22 in total. And I don't know, the Ducks didn't have any life going into the third. I mean, they tried, but Nylander all alone, and then we had our boy Kerfy once again. I don't think anyone bet on Kerfoot ever scoring, especially since he only scored two this year, twice in Dallas. And doubled it up tonight. Doubled down. Also, 400th career assists for Geo on that goal. Nice. I mean, that's a really demoralized team over there. Like, they're getting their asses kicked every single night. And when you got people like Kerfoot starting to flex on you, that's <laughs> that's why they were starting to rough it up at the end of the game. <laughs> oh, what are they? Like, 7-20-3. and three. Oh, one win in 30-something regulation games. That's yeah. They've got seven seven victories, and six of them are in extra time. That's insane. Like, how do you go to... That's historically bad. How do you... How many games have they gone to overtime in? That's insane. Right? Not many. They lose a shitload in regulation. They've only won one in regulation, though. This is the sixth time this year the Ducks allowed six-plus goals in a game. They've got a better overtime record than the Leafs do. Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll take that trade off. (laughs) See, it could be worse. Um, yeah, Pierre Engvall as well. I gotta get the. Uh, 
little giraffe noise going. He had a strong game. Yeah, he's he's starting to find it again. It's like I said on that that first goal with Kerfoot. Like if he keeps using his size and they can finish a play, like even if they get ninety percent there, and then the, the next night it's ninety five. But like they, they're just starting to get a little bit better and better. So I'm hoping that they they find their stride before like February. You know. He, he's so fucking big and fast. Like the way he split the defense going through the neutral zone, he has to keep doing plays like that because that's when he's really effective. Is Pierre Engvall like the Chad of the Leafs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, is that what we're, we're realizing is he's just massive, but like can't put it all together? Oh my God. I tried to save the clip tonight. I don't know if for some reason my shortcut's not working, but right after he scored, he goes, skates towards the crowd. And he's just like, <laughs> I'm like, this is the giraffe in beast mode. Literally, literally letting it out, screaming like Tarzan, almost beating on his chest. I'm like, damn, I need this clip so badly. Good for him. Oh man. I think this is the first time this year that I actually witnessed him you know take a breath line up the shot pick the corner and actually take the shot instead of just whacking it right at the the crest you know like he like if you watch the replay and you can get so many great angles just from where he's at it's literally like damn this is what we have been waiting for yeah like this guy well, oh. and his his goal in the last uh, was it it wasn't against Calgary. It was the LA game. He had the uh, the goal that looked identical. Where it was like a Matthews race. Exactly. Game. It was like a Matthews yeah. goal. And yeah. he, he's starting to find that where he, he takes that extra second, wait to see which way the goalie's going, and then fake them out. Take that little inside instead of the outside where they think you're going. So if he can play a little smarter and not be a himbo, I think we have a really good addition to the bottom six here. It makes a huge difference when that third line is clicking like that. It permeates through the first two lines. The fourth line's always been pretty consistent and steady, but if that third line is really rolling, man, they're a really hard team to play against. Yeah, and I was talking about it before we came on, but the time on ice tonight for the forwards, like what it allows you to do is give the top guys a break. I mean, also being up five, six, seven, nothing, even four, nothing, you can give the top guys a break. But nobody broke 20 minutes tonight. Like you had everybody really sharing the load. Um, you have the low end 11 minutes for Dennis Mulgan, who, which is a crime. And on the top end, you've got like 18 and a bit for Kerfoot. Kerfoot had the most time on ice tonight. Cause I mean, I'm sure they wanted to find him as uh, his hat trick at the end. Speaking of bottom six, wow. did you hear that bar ding right after oh. Czar took the shot? Yeah. <laughs> So nice. And what a sequence, which leads to the Joey Anderson goal first as a Leaf, guys. And a boy. It's always nice when it's in the mantle. Anybody see the clip of Matthews on the bench when he saw that? No, he's always great. Joey! He's always got the best reactions for like anybody scoring that it's like it couldn't, it could be Mac and Cheese or Joey Anderson or it could be William Nylander. It doesn't matter. His reaction is the same. I love how he embraces all his teammates all the same like that. It's such a cool thing coming from like your best player. Yeah, I think he's really gearing up to take over the captaincy, whether it's next year or the year after, whatever, whenever it may be. I think he's starting to get in his head that he's going to be taking that. So he's got to, you know, start earning. The yeah, right, even right now, like whether he's wearing it or not, he's taking such a huge leadership role. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I really want to know how long did Pontus Holmberg play in the third period? Because on total time on ice was 13.03. And in the third period alone, he had three apples. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Him and uh, Connor Timmins win apple picking tonight. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy for these guys, especially these are two guys who want to stay in the lineup they're fighting for their leaf lives in the regular roster so this is what you need to do boys take but, some notes whoever is watching get those apple fritter timbits baby hey <laughs> guys guys I, I i just got a message from marty he wanted to make sure we we bring it up the leafs couldn't have done that well tonight they lost in the hit department oh yes <laughs> yes what what was it 35 to 15 for the Ducks. Well, yeah, because the, they didn't have the puck the entire game. Like, right? That, uh, that hockey mom that was climbing the boards in that video that's going viral right now, she was trying to throw a puck over for the Ducks to play with. <laughs> she was trying to stop the clock. <laughs> Where in that video, she's trying to tell the ref the clock is stopped. But everyone thinks she'd just be in a Karen, like having a fit on the glass. Oh, my it. lordy. <laughs> uh, so three stars tonight. Ilya Samsonov with the shutout. Uh, Alexander Kerfoot mm-hmm. with two uh, goals. And then uh, Connor Timmons with the three-pack of Timbits. Who would have figured that, a eh? 7-0 victory and not one of the top four in the three stars. And two of them are Alex Kerfoot and Connor Timmons. Like, <laughs> nobody won a bet on tonight. There is nothing that you could bet on that happened tonight. Like, that's the sign of a good team. Like, if we can win like this, and that's, granted, it's against the Ducks, but still, it's something to build upon, and it's what we need to see going forward. Well, I mean, yeah. I think it's an important thing to to cave in a bad team, because, look, they don't usually sure do that. Like, I know it seems like something that normally you wouldn't applaud. It's like, okay, great. You you won seven, nothing to a team that has seven wins and 20 losses. But yeah, honestly, like their losses have come against bad teams this year, whether it be Arizona or Anaheim or whoever else they've lost to, but it's, it's not. And, and in previous years, this is a for sure like trap game. This is the type of game that the Leafs would, you know, be overconfident in and they would lose. They would give up a big lead. And instead this year, they just, kept their foot on the gas and they fucking buried them. Yeah. Well, let's go to a question because it's tied into what we're talking about. Sweet. Pickles on Discord. Hi, Pickles. Can we finally stop worrying about goaltending? And they also ask, can we finally stop worrying about losing trap games? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the goaltending situation has just been unbelievable. I mean, this is the first time we've had both Murray and Samsonov healthy you know, for a couple games. And we've got three shutouts. So, so far, so good, I guess, is all I can say. Yeah. Back-to-back shutouts for Sammy. Now he has, I just had it up, 58 total saves in two games. 152 minutes and 34 seconds to goal. Um, you know, being you say you were a Justin Hall hater and you own that, I definitely, I know Murray didn't play tonight, but I have to own that I was not a Murray believer. And so far he is making me believe. So I definitely have faith in this goaltending tandem. 
Um, all I've ever wanted was health for the duo, and I'm so glad that they could bounce back and put up solid, solid elite numbers. So we're getting great sleeps, guys. Like, I'm not going to bed and worrying about, you know, working our six-string goalie right now, which is which is so nice. I mean, to give you some credit from Murray, any of us that said they were feeling good about it, it was wishful thinking. Like, there was really nothing to go off of other than it, it seems like it could work if all goes well, but there was the potential for another Peter Morazic situation. There always was. So, I mean, I don't yeah. think you were wrong to be skeptical about it. It's just, I think they made the right gamble. It was a gamble. There's there's no other way about that, though. Yeah, that's fair. Ma- Marty and I, I keep bringing him up tonight. Um, we talked, we did a big goaltender episode on uh, his Sports is Fun podcast. And we broke it down a lot. Shout out Sports is After Fun. After the great, great podcast. Um, sports at- is fun (laughs) (laughs) um after the trade happened i did a lot of digging into murray because you know we knew a little bit about him from when he was with the penguins but i I didn't know a ton about him and that's when i had found out about you know the goaltending camps he's been attending since he was a kid well the guy who runs them works for the leafs um you know his dad was a big fan they all grew up cheering for the leafs it you know, Keith and, and Dubis having him down in the Sioux, it's one thing after another just was, you know what, this could really work out. Like you don't make it to the NHL, supplant a first ballot Hall of Famer and Marc-Andre Fleury, take his starting role and force him out of town if you're garbage or if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Like th- this this wasn't an anti-Niemi thing where you come in and you have the playoffs of your lives after a mediocre season and win Stanley Cup and then disappear. Like, he won two cups with them. There's a reason he won two cups. It's because he's got a really good pedigree. Exactly. And, and to your point, like, your earlier point, it's between him, Marner, and, like, these other people from Toronto who are actually wanting JT, who wants to actually come back and play here, that's something we never really saw in the past. God, it's refreshing. Yeah, and, I mean, we saw it start with, with like, Marlowe and Thornton. They were the first two to kind of come in and then Spatza, I think. At tail ends, though. Sorry? Like, at the tail end of the career, well, like not yeah, during their prime. That's what I mean, and I think that that was kind of what the Leafs were known for in the early 2000s, was taking on guys at the end of their careers, but I think they were the, the first bigger names that said, like, you know what, I'm going to go for it here with these guys at the end of my career. I think they have a chance, and I want to go for it. Like, I mean, Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton both wanted a cup. That's why they came to the Leafs. They thought these kids yeah. had what it took. Um, I mean, they were a little early and those guys were a little late, but, um, honestly, I think that started the, the influx of new guys looking at Toronto and going, okay, you know, maybe the, the tax situation and whatever is worth it for the, the level of play that the team is at. But I think it also depends on the type of person you are. Like not everybody loves the media attention in Toronto. So you got to give credit to Dubas and company for being able to sell to the guys that aren't totally sold on it. Um, to come here so yeah that's a fair point but like like the exclamation point in the other way was like Stamkos not coming here and it was a huge parade about it so now that we're actually starting to see people come here that are from Toronto and who are having success it's pretty nice to see Mm -hmm. yo Stamkos I heard that they they tried to offer him like a Canadian tire sponsorship or something and he turned it down yes they 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 had the CEO of Canadian tire in 
the because you know back then you could tour you could negotiate with players for a week before free agency yep and in the meetings they had the ceo of canadian tire in there basically pitching some sort of sponsorship deal with them so not only would he be getting the contract but a sponsorship on top of it unreal yeah, and just to cap off the goalie thing, um, Samsonov got the belt tonight, guys. Good. Finally, after last, hey, yeah, after his last shutout, he was joking with the media, saying, "You know, he scored goal, I got shutout. I, I guess I better play better." <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I must be better next time. So tonight, he's earned the belt, and I'm so happy for him. Um, I can't wait to make a little picture later with him holding a belt, but. <laughs> Anyways, um, just to um, tie into the game, um, when we put a cap on it as well, Mike at the fanatic, uh, Mike the fanatic says, "Why are some Leaf fans trying to ruin a fantastic performance by weaning about Cam- what Camp done? This fan base drives me absolutely insane." Camp responded to a cross check literally seconds beforehand. If Camp wouldn't have responded, then those fans would be whining, saying. Leafs are so soft and they are letting a Mickey Mouse franchise like the Ducks push them around while they are winning in a landslide. I really, I truly wish common sense was more common. Go Leafs go. Thanks for that, Mike. Beaner. There is a very simple explanation for this. And that is that there is such garbage employed by media outlets in the city of Toronto, like Steve Simmons and, I, I would throw Craig Button in there that yep. they they can't have nice things. They've never covered, you know, partly due to the GMs that Toronto has had over the years. They've never covered a championship team. They don't actually know what it means to to have a winning culture to to com- come in every night and and have that winning mindset. So they find one little thing that they can pick on that they know people are either going to read the article or talk about the article. And that's all they give a shit about. They don't care whether it's true. They don't care what kind of repercussions it would have. Look at what Simmons did to Matthews with the COVID thing back when all this was new, nobody knew what COVID was, how it was affecting people. And he reported on it before anybody was reporting on any athlete. Like it is you very have unethical. All- it, 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 it is, and, and these guys somehow still are employed, and it, it just blows my mind, and it's sad, but, you know, we're all kind of, that's that's what we grew up with. That's what we put up with day in and day out hearing this, so that's why a ton of fans, realistically, most of them probably not through any fault of their own, they have this mindset about it that... You know, you have a, a beautiful win, a lot of goals, the team is playing the way they're supposed to against a lower opponent that hasn't happened that way in years. You know, they, they were joking about it on the TSN broadcast. This is a typical trap game for the Leafs, the trappiest of trap games. And it didn't happen because we're, we're seeing a change. We're seeing them correct a lot of these mistakes. And then you pinpoint something like that. And to you, your you, point, you, like they're looking for the but, but what? Yeah, Exactly. You can't have it both ways. You can't have someone playing with heart and sticking up for your stars and, you know, these guys are soft. They don't protect themselves. And then complain that all he did was give Zegers a push. It's not like he cross-checked him from behind into the boards or swung a stick at his head. Like, if Zegers and Shattenkirk can't handle that, that's their own problem. They're playing in the and, NHL. And good for camp, too. Like, you got to let the Absolutely. league know, like... We're not going to be fucked with this year because Toronto has a reputation of being a soft team and for being able to be pushed around. 
So if they can take the opportunity to stand up for themselves and you know, whether it's a cross check or a little scrum, then by all means do it. There's no reason to be complaining about that. Yeah. And, and to your point, Beener, about the, uh, the way that the media has always been looking for that kind of negative angle, it seems that a lot of these guys are kind of holding over from the early 2000s and late 90s when and into the, the later 2000s where the team was just not good. And that was kind of the, the popular thing to do was just a rag on them. And it seems like they just do not know how to adjust to talking about a good team. Like they don't know that, or at least they don't understand that they have the power to shift how the entire city talks about the team by just talking about the good things instead of looking for something bad. Like we're not in that era anymore. The Sorry, Steph, the worst part about it, is you have players who were on those teams right like who <clears throat> Carla. had who <laughs> had people saying this shit about them who are continuing the trend jeff O'Neill. it blows my mind like and, and it's not like we're talking about hall of fame players here we're talking no, we're about not. role pieces we're talking about engvall in 10 years we're talking about justin hall in 10 years <laughs> right like these are players who I know myself. I'm a diehard fan. I complained about these guys when they played for the Leafs when they had bad games because that was before I realized how ridiculous it is. Oh my God! Oh, we just hit 800. Oh, Sorry. Ooh, live! Um, you caught it here first. Yeah. Um, anyways, we can touch on that later. <laughs> um, like these guys experienced it, and that's part of the criticism that the Leafs have always had that the media goes nuts on them and then they're contributing to it. They were part of it and they're not trying to fix it. Like you don't see Mike Johnson talking about that. He actually is intelligent and talking about the team in you know, the context that d- their play deserves at that time, at the beginning of the season, he was, was saying, Hey, you know what? They're not playing that well. Chances are they're going to turn it around with all this talent, but right now they're not playing that well. And right now he's being, he's, you know, he's not pumping the tires saying play in the parade. But it's it's really refreshing to see that as opposed to, you know, the status quo from people who should know better. Sorry. And to further that point, like even during the intermission, like Dave Poulet was actually saying, like, this is not the same Leafs team as last year or anything like that. He was actually, you know, perpetuating that this team is a lot different. And I'm pretty sure like Button gave him a dirty look and it's what do you expect from guys like that, right? Well, and I was watching on Bali Sports feed and it was great. Like the whole first period after uh, Marner got his point, they were just they were talking about Marner for the entire rest of the period. Like it was just gushing about like, yeah, it's unbelievable what this guy's doing. He's creeping up on on Crosby and it is and Kane's records here, like setting like the Leafs are setting a, a French or about to set a franchise record or at least match it for uh, games in a row. Most points getting points yeah. like it's it's just so much different watching the American feed when they don't have any bias coming in. They're just looking at it objectively as like another team coming in against the home team i just want to say thank god for mike johnson who actually pointed out the cross check from zegris on camp because if you did not catch that replay people would have just thought oh camp is not fighting la 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 they're creating these own stories in their mind so we caught that replay zegris is a little bitch and decided to cheap shot (laughs) camp And of course, when Camp, you know, slows down, he's going to lean on him to stop himself, you know? So, and good for him. 
this starts zegris is pushing obviously shattenkirk comes in to save his precious little boy and the thing that's not ethical about this that i did not like was the fact that shattenkirk kind of raw dog camp in a sense where he put them all all fours reached down took his helmet off and yeeted it up into the air just fucking almost hitting the scoreboard and was like nope foo! and we're like what is going on here like who is under there is it camp like all i see is blue on all fours and no one really fighting just shoving shoving down like I don't know rowing or something and i'm like guys like there's a minute left on the clock i don't know what's coming well, out of it player shattenkirk is now he's so washed like and like how demoralized this team is that's really all they have that's what i said like that's why they started scrumming at the end of the game it's not oh, because yeah. of the seven nothing score it's just because they fucking suck yeah <laughs> Dave, and they can we put david camp on the cover of nhl 24 <laughs> right <laughs> um <clears throat> Just to finish up our Discord questions, Lucas asks, is this insipid, insipid Ducks performance enough to get a coach fired? Guys, what do you think this season? Uh, I mean, I, I, what are you supposed to do with this team? Honestly, it's it's like the Leafs situation when they were trying to put the, this current team together, like in the early years. They're just going to lose. Like they got Zegras, McTavish, and that's about it. What do you got? Adam Enrique, Ryan Strom, like Terry. You're, it's 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 really setting this up for Zegras, Terry, and McTavish to take over, but they're so far away from that still. I I think you have to look at like what the Red Wings did, right? They didn't fire Blashell right away. When Iserman came in, they let him kind of stick around even though they were playing like garbage for quite a while you have to cut Eakins a little bit of slack because he doesn't have a lot to work with like you said and I don't know what it is about the guy historically he's kind of been that coach who has gone from team to team and been been with a team when they've had a lot of young players slowly working up and then moves on he was with the Marlies and then went to the Oilers and you know now he's with the Ducks bad track record there too yeah. Well, this no. team has. Go ahead. Go ahead, Roscoe. No, I was just gonna say if they're if they're just gonna tank this year and they get any of you know Bedard or Mechkov or whoever it is to add to Zegris and Terry and McTavish, like they're just putting together kind of Oilers two point <laughs> Yeah, it, there's no fucking way they fire him midseason. But I guarantee you, if they get someone like Bedard, he's not going to be coaching them next year. Mm-hmm. No. Entry-level contract still for McTavish and Zegers, of course. But I think their big splash was, you know, Frank Fratrano and Ryan Strom, who signed. Yes, and the forward group. And then your back end, Fowler, Shattenkirk, Klingberg. These guys are supposed to be holding the fort together. (laughs) The the veteran presence on this team. But if you look at it. goaltender, too. Yeah, yeah. I just oh. uh, it's not working out and I always forget Troy Terry's twenty-five. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. He's so much older than I think he is. Like what he gets like thirty-two or thirty-three. Man, like honestly, I thought the guy was in his first or second year with this team. So Lucas also asks, when stepping back into the dressing room, how does Chief Keith Keith put a lid on it? Ducks are 32nd for a reason. 
I mean, I think they all understand that it was, I, I don't know. I think they all understand what this win is, right? Like everybody's just collecting points once they realize that they're just going to keep scoring. I don't know. It's, it's like, good job. We kicked the shit out of them. We did what we're supposed to do and on to the next game. Yeah. Mm. No, and, and, and that's exactly it. I think that's how you have to look at it. You can't completely dismiss it. You can't say, oh, you know, we should have done that, so you should have done better. But you can't celebrate like you won the cup, right? We've touched on it a couple times already. They have a history of not coming through in these games, of playing down to their opponents. Mm -hmm. So go in there. Good job, guys. You did what you were supposed to do. Defensively, the forwards came back like we've been seeing all game. Continue playing the right way. And, you know, we can really do something special here. Yeah. Just yeah. short, simple, sweet, to the point. It's like a very Bill Belichick type of message. You know, you did oh, what you're supposed to do, very like professional, that. on to the next game. <laughs> yeah, just to wrap it up, Mikey D from the Believers Pod, shout out, shout out. Um, do the Leafs have a scoring problem? <laughs> Seriously, though, are we all in agreement that Timmins' nickname is Timmy's? Well, I already said it. Three pack of Timbits. Uh, I tried to get the attention <laughs> of Tim Mortensen and uh, the Leafs to do a little collab there. I think he's the Timbit, and the Leafs have a scoring problem. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, if Bieber's yeah, name is on we, it, it's a Bieber ball. If it's Timmins, it's a Timbit. Um, if the Leafs scored seven goals without any of their top four scoring tonight, I don't think we have a scoring problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, Tavares got a goal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. Have yeah, you guys one, one goal from the core? Have you guys and he's been a fucking beast looked at the year. standings lately? Do you know who the Leafs? The fact that the Leafs have not gained any ground on the Bruins with this run. Well, there's that, yeah. but if you go to the wild card uh, standings, um, this is shaping out to be. A Leafs Tampa first round currently. Yeah, I hate this playoff. I hate it so, so much. much, dude. This is dumb. Like they should Go be back playing. To one eight. What? What's that? Who should they be playing? Conference standings. I, I hate this divisional standing thing that we have going on. I actually true, can't even tell. True who, conference. Go one to sixteen. I can't even tell who ah, the next ones should be for the Atlantic because literally it's Boston, Toronto, Tampa, and then the next. Four wild card spots are all in the metro, except Detroit. Yeah. Except, oh, sorry. Yeah, Detroit. Detroit's in the Atlantic. But yeah. And to your point, I don't like the interconference things between divisional playoff things because then you're starting to travel way too much. That plays a big factor into it. I think you keep it east and west, but just keep it east and west. The standings right there. One to sixteen. It's not like you're riding a bus from Toronto to LA, though. No, but still, it's it's a lot of travel. So if if we did conference, um, that would be Boston versus the Rangers, Devils versus Islanders, Toronto versus Tampa. For fuck's sake! Wow, <laughs> they still play Tampa. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but still, your odds are much less. Like, yeah. What if we? Oh my god, and even if they just went straight divisions, they still play Tampa. And then there's always like talk about the playoff, I mean, play-in tournament, uh, similar to what the NBA does now too. That's been a hot uh, 
hot topic lately. So the only so way there we go. If if we did league, so one to sixteen, like I said, yeah. Toronto would play Edmonton in the first round. Oh my god. So the only way that the Leafs don't play Tampa in the first round is a Detroit or Florida catch up to Tampa, which I don't know. I don't see that happening. Or the Leafs overtake Boston and play the wild card. Like, I hate to say it, guys, but this is looking like another Leafs and Tampa first round. Florida's only Let's five points demons. behind Tampa. Yeah, so is Detroit. Yeah, it's close. And Detroit has two more games in hand. So we never know. Never know. But it's not an easy team to catch, right? Like, look, we said the Leafs have been winning like crazy. They're still behind Boston by three points, and Boston's played two less games. They're 23, yeah, they four, and one. Are you joking? It's like last year with They're Florida. They're really good this year. There's always, it doesn't matter how good the Leafs are, there's somebody who's having a historic season. And there's two of them. We got New Jersey, 21, six, and two. So, and we beat them. I think both. we have to, yeah, keep the mentality this year. It doesn't matter who we play, we just got to play the games that are in front of us. And yes. I feel like that's kind of yeah. the mentality that team is taking on. And even tonight was a small little glimpse in that. Like, we were winning five nothing, and fuck it, we put the you know, the foot on their throat, and we still want seven nothing. And that's what they got to keep doing for the rest of the year and playoffs included. Yep, Rangers up next, uh, not an easy walk in the park team. I mean, they haven't been performing nearly as well as they should be, but they're still uh, about a 500 team. team. They're 15, 10, and five, so uh, basically 15 and 15 through 30 games. I mean, the Leafs should win it. Their goaltending is nowhere near, like I said, what it should be. They're, you know, Chris Kreider's not on pace for 50 plus goals again. <laughs> Who saw that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or nobody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lafreniere never really took the step that a lot of people thought he would. Yeah. That one's unfortunate. Or Kako. Or Kako. Agreed. Yeah. I thought he had huge potential coming out of the uh, juniors. No kidding. Um, last thing, we just got a couple minutes left here. Last thing I want to touch on Sunday marked the 30th anniversary of uh, Mr. Gary Bettman uh, being the commissioner of the NHL. He has been commissioner longer than I have been alive. That is insane. <sighs> so um, I was going to do a longer, like, you know, a couple good things, a couple bad things he's done. But since I planned to talk about this, some things have come out and we are just going to talk about one of them, which is during the board of governors meeting in October uh, or the owners meeting, whatever it was, Frank Saravalli reported per Gary Bettman, the, uh, the, they're looking like the players are going to pay back the escrow owed to owners and uh, the salary cap would take a significant jump. They estimated about 4 million. Not two months later, per again, Frank Saravalli, Gary Bettman says it's looking like uh, the players are still going to owe $70 million at the end of the season. So the salary cap is only going to go up by a single million dollars to 83 and a half. So one of the things that one of the defenses of Gary amongst the owners is that he's, he's good for them at least, you know, maybe he's not good for, for ever, anything uh, in terms of hockey, but he's good for protecting their money. Uh, how within two months do you make uh, an estimate that is off by $70 million that is that consequential to the business like it's not even like it's the end of the season it's it's two months down the line we're not even halfway through the season and he's already like oops we might have miscalculated 
<laughs> and also, didn't they just sell board ads and a whole ton of stuff? Like they're making money hand over fist. Jersey ads. We've seen all the all the reverse retro jerseys they sold. The uh, the price of of concession, everything is up. Like everybody's back in the stadiums and paying a shit ton of money to be there. How are they not making enough money to just wipe this out? I really hope that the, the NHLPA pushes back on this and says, no, thank you. Actually, we're we're going to not play next year if you don't put the salary cap up more than a million dollars. How about that? Go ahead, Beaner. Yeah, and we kind of touched on this a little bit in the summer um, when the Jersey ad stuff was coming out and people were talking about it is, yes, it's it's a little bit sacrilege, but let you know show us where this money's going and Mm -hmm. a a couple of us even called this this is something that we saw coming all that extra revenue is everything coming back jersey sales fans and stand you know everything there's no way they can be that far off Unless Batman's been lying about how much he's funneling into the Coyotes to keep them afloat. <laughs> well, he said they're losing less money this year, which kind of makes sense. Yes, I know, but like it's it, it's just so baffling. There's like, what's the minimum contract in the NHL right now? Uh, eight eight hundred eight hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. Do you know without looking? Do you guys know how many teams could afford under the salary cap to fit one player? On the minimum contract Less on the than roster, half, I bet. I'm gonna say like eight, twelve. Wow, that's it. There's twelve teams with north of nine hundred thousand dollars available on the salary cap. That's insane. That's it. And, like, what's crazy is when Toronto signed the contract for Matthews and Warner's. The three years prior to that, the cap went up. I think it was twelve percent. And since then, it's been what, like five hundred thousand or a million dollars. Like this is, it's not sustainable for how player contracts are developing. And like, where is this money going? You're absolutely correct. Look at the NBA. Look at the NFL. Look at MLB. Every year, like it's growing exponentially. And for some reason, the NHL is stagnant and not moving. Like, what's going on here? That's why I can't believe that they extended him for another five years. Because if the whole thing is he's supposed to protect and make them money, they should be looking at all these other major sports and going, uh, what's going on here? Why are they all so much further ahead over the last 30 years that we've had you here than we are? Why is it that Steph Curry makes $50 million a year and a 37-year-old pitcher makes $43 million a year? And... NFL players that literally like play for a quarter of the time that an NHL player does are making 40 or 50 mil. Like it's, it's insane how stagnant the wages in the NHL have been. And I know we're arguing for millionaires wages here, but like, honestly, if you look at, if it's a reflection of how much money the league as a whole is making, then Gary Bettman has failed the NHL. Yeah, and like a lot of it goes to TV deals. So, and I think NHL is due to up theirs in the next year or something like that. But it's no, they absolutely just, ridiculous. Didn't they just do that? There's no growth whatsoever. They just re-upped they, they, it. And they, that's yeah, why they it's just on... got it. That was the ESPN and the TNT deal. So well, then it's fucked that they're not like money. putting this money into it because that's tr- what's triggered every other league they, is the TV deal. So they even got Bezos' money. Absolutely. 
they got Bezos money. They sold streaming rights to Amazon too. Like it's it's insane. Yeah, they got a Thursday night football game. Like it's absolutely crazy that the NHL is not capitalizing or like investing money into the cap on this, where it's only going to increase the product. Like exactly, they've got an influx of five hundred million dollars by bringing the Kraken in. Yeah, and you're about to sell the Ottawa Senators for over six hundred thousand, uh, six hundred million. Sorry, exactly, and it's it's just like you said, Beater. Why are we? being told that i mean the other thing that he said was the the board ads he's the people he's talked to are okay with it so he's going to keep it uh it was essentially his take on it uh gary bettman so if we're told to that's because he doesn't actually watch the game exactly <laughs> if we're told to just eat it on the board ads eat it on the jersey ads the helmet ads okay well then in turn let our teams have more money to play with and they're not doing that and it's like you said it's hurting the overall product here I want to know who he surveyed that said they enjoy the moving <laughs> digital board ads and that it makes them want to watch the game because every single person I have talked to in online or in real life have hated them. And I just have one question. Like, do you watch with your eyes or what? Because well, he, he asked, <laughs> like, not to get political or anything, but it was very Trumpian thing to say, like, oh, polls are telling me this is happening. And it's this complete bullshit. Like, this guy's such fucking full of shit. Right? It's like, hey, people are saying this is a problem. What are you going to do about it? Well, people I'm talking to say it's not a problem. That's because the that only wasn't people the... he talks to are the 32 owners. And, the other... and they love it because it's extra money in their pockets. And it's fine, like but, the board advertising, whatever. It's a small potato thing, like. But that, not when I'm having a seizure. Going? That's what I mean. Is <laughs> like, do we need to give them for every like hundred million dollars that the owners get in their pocket? Are they only? Are we increasing the salary cap like one million just to protect the other ninety nine? Like they can't be trusted with being able to spend that much money. Is that literally what we're doing here? Is there like keep making us money and keep holding the salaries down so we keep making more? Like I don't, and what do the players think of this? They like they hate it, and I they will strike over this. It's it's going to lead to another. They're getting fucked so badly. I just I can't believe that under Gary Bettman we've seen professional hockey aired on the Outdoor Life Network in the U.S. that just absolutely plunged ratings. Like yes, they've expanded into all these markets. We've seen a lot of teams come into the league under Bettman. That's probably the only W I'll give him is that we've seen a ton of in California. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen any besides like the Winnipeg Jets moving back here. And I'm trying to think of which teams in Canada came in under his tenure, but I don't think any really. Batman. The Sens came back. The Sens coming back, right? No. Yeah. Wasn't. Yeah, was that it happened his... in like 92, wasn't it? 90, 91, 92. So like his first year. Yeah, right about the same time. But that was the same time San Jose and Tampa came in as well. Exactly. So he's, I mean, he's had a hand in, in expanding the league into a lot of markets, but he's also killed the viewership in those markets by not selling the broadcast rights properly for literally the better part of the 30 years he's been in charge. I, I just, I can't believe this. As long as people in the desert can watch hockey, people are happy. <laughs> well, it's like he, he will put all this money into getting, a, you know, the potential couple you know, tens of thousands of people to watch hockey in a place where there's a million instead of giving the millions of people that already watch it a better experience. 
Yeah, the MLS actually just are, they're doing this thing with Apple TV where for $79 a season, you can catch every single game, no blackouts. And obviously this is the ultimate wish for Leaf fans, NHL fans in general, man. It would cost me like $500 to do that in Ottawa. Well, that's the next frontier, right? Is how they're going to handle the streaming aspect of what they're going to do for broadcasting. Well, and the problem there is they're kind of at the whim of Bell and Rogers and Canada like they've yeah. they've allowed those two to just become such a behemoth in broadcasting and ownership across different teams and arenas that it's like how do you tell them hey we're going to actually take broadcasting away from you guys like that's what's causing most of the the disruption in Canada and then south of the border it's it's the fact that now is the first time it's been back on ESPN in like what 15 20 years yeah yeah close to I just don't get what it will take to get him out of office. I feel like this is a dictatorship where there's literally no method to get the leader out. Like the same thing's been happening for 30 years and everyone's just stuck in this bubble because it's the only way they know to play professional hockey in North America or at the most elite level anyway. Like what does it take? I read an article like should there be a term limit on – you know, commissioners like this. And I think yeah. this is a pretty good argument that there should be. Hell yeah. Not, not only, not only Batman, like something has to be said for Donald fear, right? The head of the, the players association, the PA. Yeah. Because he's been lockstep with Batman over the last couple of negotiations over all of this. So why hasn't more been done on that end of it? Like I can't stand Batman. Um, I've been pretty vocal about that in the past trying to put some teams in some of the places that he's done it i know from a business aspect i know why he did it to try to get these tv contracts you look at dallas massive tv market florida massive tv market nashville all they do is Atlanta. watch tv down there no Come it, on. like it, ex, ex, yeah. exactly that's why, that's why houston rumors that, that that's why you got to put those teams in those markets but you got to be willing to admit when it's not working yeah, it, it we've beat this drum many many times, but it's 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 clearly not working with the Coyotes. Get them out of there. Get them somewhere that's more profitable. I'm done beating the drum for the Nordiques to come back. I'd love for them to come back. That rivalry was intense, was insane. Definitely could be profitable. If you want to keep them down somewhere in the states in a city that's got a big TV market, give Texas another team. Throw them in Houston. Give Houston a team. In Kansas, Kansas City. Kansas City, like yeah, yeah, ex- exactly, Sully. Like we're talking telepathically here. Um, Pick like, some state that has low taxes like you did with with Vegas. And like, look, Vegas, just because of, I mean, not just because of the Golden Knights, but because of the new um, businesses that have been going in there around some things like the Golden Knights that have moved in there. There's an entire suburb and town that has popped up for the families of players, families of people that work in all these things. Like it, there's so many opportunities for places that are ready for this and can attract players because they have the tax system for it or whatever it is the you know you're in vegas or you're on the west coast in seattle so like move them somewhere that that you're going to draw people in to a new market we've seen it now with vegas and seattle that people can get excited about a new team if you bring the right people on i mean seattle kind of blew it with their first year of the actual team they iced but i think as far as pr goes they've done a great job with you know climate pledge and and just the the fanfare that they've had around the team. 
I mean, their their mascot's a little ugly, but hey. <laughs> yeah, like I I see why he did it. I don't agree with some of the decisions, um, but at the same time, without some of that, like we'd never have Matthews. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There, there, there is a, a couple wins out of it. Definitely more losses than wins. Like when a when a league like the NBA doesn't want anything to do with you, why should the NHL? Yeah, and like Suzy said, Batman's like, an NBA castoff. So to the point of the wins, like he did great with California, and he tried his best with the desert, but it's clearly not working. So there are other markets that you can move to. It's just tough to give Gary any wins because it seems like anything that the league has done right, it's because they've followed suit with the NBA. I mean, look who shut down first because of COVID. Look who has a better way of handling. Well, he was a disciple of um, David Stern, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Like, he worked under him for a long time in the NBA. Exactly. So he just follows suit with whatever they do. I mean, look, the, the way that they've handled assault allegations has been atrocious and like problematic players. Whereas, look, Kyrie Irving speaks out problematically and they handled that quite well, I think. I mean, and just saying, look, you're not going to play until you can apologize for things that's obviously an isolated situation but look we've had but then, certain people yeah but then batman tries to save face he won't publicly say anything but this whole mitchell miller stuff comes out exactly and and he's talked to you know he's asked about it afterwards no no he would never be allowed to play and then you come to find out that he says the same thing about logan mayu in montreal oh no he's not eligible to play in the league well why don't you announce this stuff when the shit's hitting the fan or announce it right away He's Don't just such wait a lawyer. Until you're trying to look for something to talk about. He's he's such a little weasel. He it's like, well, you didn't ask me. So I'm not gonna volunteer information like he is literally such a lawyer, he will not volunteer information unless he's on trial. Like, you're not just gonna get him to just tell you something he knows unless he has to tell you for some reason. And it all honestly, this whole thing comes back to if he had been doing his job right, we would see two less lockouts over the last 30 years, and we would see players getting paid appropriately for how much they bring to their team. Like you would probably see McDavid making 18, 20 million dollars a year and Matthews making 17. So I just I feel like it's it's not been good for the game to have somebody that is trying to save owners money because you have to spend money to make money, especially when you have billions of it. Like we're not talking about saving pennies here. We're talking about saving like hundreds of millions of dollars for these guys. So, you know, spend a little more and you can make this game back to what it was like in the eighties and nineties when, or I could say like the eighties when it was one of the biggest games, like, look, it was the first thing that ESPN had on. Mm-hmm. So today on Reddit, there's a lot of talk about Gary Bettman and things that people would change in the league if he were to, you know, retire or die or whatever. Um, just wondering, I have a list here of the most, you know, most popular responses. Just wondering what you guys would do. One thing you would change in the league to better it, in your opinion, it could be anything uh, at all. Well, I mean, the soft cap is the the easiest one, right? Like, just allow teams to take a a hit uh, tax wise for like spending, a luxury tax? yeah, like a luxury tax for being able to spend the money they have. And look, it's it's been made public. Like Arizona only gets five million dollars in revenue sharing. That's nothing 
So if you allow teams like the Rangers and the Canadians and the Leafs and, and Tampa to just spend money, then so or, much more or the golden Knights or the golden Knights. Exactly. Look, they have it. They just can't and ice it. Like they've their literally projected spent cap it. hit is $97 million. Let them spend the 97, let them pay for it. And then you're just funneling money into these teams that need it because exactly. you know, That's where luxury tax goes. It goes to these other poor teams who are not spending. Yeah. So I just, and let's promote our players a little more. Like you said, we got to pay these guys more get them out. Like they have to be the face of this franchise of the league rather. And what Batman's doing is he's burying them by not paying them enough. Yeah. And he's making them take deals based on ads that they can get in the cities that they go to. Like, look, Connor McDavid shouldn't be making all of his money off of bet MGM. And like William <laughs> Nylander shouldn't have to make his money off of whatever that insurance commercial or sonnet sonnet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and look, I don't even remember what the thing was for. <sighs> These guys should Any, be getting paid for playing hockey, not for being the face of some brand. Like that shouldn't be the selling point. Sure, you can do that to make extra bucks, but literally what it's become in the NHL is like who has more extra stuff I can make money off of because my salary alone is not going to cut it. Yeah. Any other responses you guys think would be very notable before we sign off? I can read you the most popular answer list after. Well, I, I was going to say what Roscoe said we've we've talked about it many times it's been brought up by by Marty by Roscoe by me by I think literally everybody um <laughs> I have another one as, as, aside from a soft cap maybe just like there's so many things that you could do yeah um this discussion could go on forever maybe even just keep it simpler and and actually find a way to if you're gonna do a hard cap have a real hard cap so that teams can't take advantage of local tax laws so that, you know, you can't get an edge when it comes to players mm-hmm. because like that yeah, stamp so post contract, Florida, Texas. yep. Florida, Texas, Nevada, and uh, Washington. They're all tax free states. What was your other Roscoe? Well, I think they should finally bite the bullet and spend the five years that it's going to take to redo the rule book. They keep saying, well, it's going to take too long. Okay, well, if you'd started it when you'd first talked about it, we'd be almost done by now. It's something that they keep putting off. We've just been amending something that's, you know, from a dated era. And I think they just need to adjust the wording of things to make things more specific. There's a lot of gray area. A lot of things are, are left up to interpretation. Lawyers. And it would and it would allow, well, and but I think there's something, when it comes to the law, the thing that the NHL doesn't apply is precedent, right? Like there's no, the, the rules are so arbitrary and they let everyone kind of call them as they want that it, it's like, if you're going to do that, then at least respect that whatever one person calls is, is setting precedent, but they don't do that. So I think an overhaul of the rule book so that it's clear um, and then you have, you have less people getting angry at the game instead of, you know, being excited watching their favorite team because i think there's too much of watching hockey is getting mad at bad calls which happens in every sport but i feel like it it makes it a very frustrating game to uh to try to get other people into and i think that's the thing that hockey needs to do is expand its viewer base right now and that's hard to do when it's uh, a pain in the ass to watch fair so the most popular answers were first versus eighth playoff format which we've touched Even though the Leafs would still play Tampa no matter what. Well, that's a given on this year, that's all. Remove shootouts, extend overtime. 
Interesting. It's about, see, but that comes back to the rule thing. Like, they just want to get games finished on time, and they can. That's one thing we have going for us is a short game. Like, look at MLB or football. Like, these games are three hours longer plus. Yeah. We have a nice, short, tight game, and that's one thing we have really going for us. Football, a three hour game with 20 minutes of gameplay. Yeah, yeah somehow yeah, exactly. the clock is running when they're not playing. I don't understand. That should make the game go faster, but it doesn't. I don't get foosball. I know the basics, but uh, that's about it. Uh, remove All-Star Weekend. A lot of different responses with this. I agree with the East versus West game. Um, I think they should revamp All-Star yeah. Weekend. Not remove, but revamp All-Star Weekend. I think um, the the thing with All Star Weekend is it's a lot like hometown hockey where it's it's kind of done for the people that are there. So when you broadcast that on TV, it gets really boring. So I yeah. think it, you have to try to make you have to think of it as a broadcast, right? Like it's a full, like almost like the Oscars or something. Where yes, it's for people there, but you're also showing it on TV to millions of people. So you have to yeah. take both into account. So I think they need to hire better people to plan the whole the whole production. Yeah, um, and they could have well, a much better result. Not only that, what a lot of people don't think about is like the All Star Games not for for me sitting on my couch. The All Star Games for kids. Yeah. Like my my son's six. He does stay up to watch some hockey with me, but he doesn't see a ton. So something like an All Star Game, that might be the only time he's ever going to be able to see you know young up and coming stars like Scotty Beniers. Maddie. Maddie. Why did I say Scotty? Um, <laughs> but you know like yeah that might be it um like you you don't it's it's more for the kids for the families so that kids can see that they can see these players that they don't get to see all the time they can see them you know back in the heyday of the all-star game you got to see gretzky lemieux you know coffee fure i'm only listing penguins and oilers um (laughs) i mean that was kind of what it was then (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like yeah. you got to you got to see everybody on the same sheet of ice at the same time and i i don't know if we've been spoiled because you have other sports like the nfl they're all-star weekends a joke mm-hmm. no one watches that it's a joke i don't think they're doing it this year they went back to the skills competition but i mean this is kind of two two-sided because my my other complaint of batman is that we haven't had international hockey competitions because of him um but I think what All-Star Weekend, like, yes, it's for kids, but it's also the only time you get to see players that don't play for the same team play together because we don't have international hockey competitions right now. So it's the only time <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to see, games. you know, Austin Matthews go out there with, like, Patrick Kane and Phil Kessel. Hmm. So if you're with ESPN, like, that's when you want to flex your muscle, right? You want to yeah. show off Matthews. You want to show off Kane. You want to show off all these people to build your brand off the backs of these like awesome players yeah and they just don't do it yeah so next on the list is really interesting uh change home jerseys to white (laughs) i thought you would appreciate that beer um yeah the league changed their home jerseys to the dark in 2002 2003 but everyone was kidding on this or sorry making fun of people who didn't like it for only starting watching hockey after like 2005 or something so so this this has actually flip-flopped back and forth a handful of times yeah um and i I get the idea back in 1950 when the only game you saw on tv was hockey night in canada so you didn't get to actually watch every team play all the time 
So when teams came into your arena, you wanted to see, like if I'm a Leaf fan going to Toronto back in the 50s, I want to see the the gold of Boston come through, the red of the Red Wings. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to see all these different colors come through. I can catch every single game as long as it's not blacked out on my cell phone. Like you, you have so much more opportunities for special things to, to get everybody who's actually there in the arena to be a part of something like Washington, when Ovi, you know, or just after the lockout, they would red the rink or whatever they call it, rock, whatever it was, everybody wore red. And you'd see that in Calgary too. It was the sea of red, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just, it's so visually appealing and so nice to see and nice to look at and it, it makes the atmosphere of the game even on from a tv standpoint that much better so if you have every arena is white it's like eh, it's kind whatever of like yeah yeah on that that reminds me of a question that i have had myself that i cannot find the answer to anywhere so beaner this is your uh, assignment oh, america that i want you to try to find for me galaxy bean what was the last game that was not televised Oh, Jesus. That is a good one. Right? I cannot find that anywhere. Um, I've been trying to just, I mean, kind of base level Googling to look it up, but I can't find what was the last game that you could not watch on TV was. Don't you see the sketches around Bean's walls? (laughs) That he printed into his... I would have to, if if I'm just taking a stab in the dark, because I do not know this off the top of my head, and I've not looked into that, I would have to hazard a guess that we're looking at you know world war ii era you think you think so i thought it was going to be later than that i would say like 80s probably because like like, to have a to have a game that was not televised anywhere maybe like local tell yeah you might be right Hmm. well you do your homework bean and we will reconvene on thursday reconvene (laughs) <laughs> and we'll play Stump Bean again on the next one. Couple I more got a guys. good one for you, Beaner. Yes. Um, just want to get these out there really quick. We already discussed um, remove divisions from conferences. We kind of touched on it earlier with a format. I don't think it's going to happen because of the rivalry reasons and the travel, but we touched on that. Remove blackouts. Um, the remove- rivalry reasons. The Flames are playing the Oilers three times this year. Sorry, that just like yeah. they, they've they've messed with the schedule so much that yeah. the, the whole division argument is just completely gone. True, True you, Batman. Remove offside rule. So no. coaches would have one minute from when the goal is scored to challenge the rule with a timer on the scoreboard to facilitate this. And if the team challenges the people in Toronto, the situation room has three minutes to decide or call or the call on the ice stands. I okay, I'm glad you clarified because when you said remove offside rule, I just pictured Phil Kessel standing beside the opposing goalie <laughs> the entire game. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Matt when James, I'm not moving. James from Offside was on our show and he kind of hinted to something like this to kind of put a cap on it or like a time limit so that the game doesn't you, you, take you, forever. You yeah. don't necessarily have That's to fine. put a put a cap on it, just you don't you can't have the ref over leaning against the bench shooting the shit with the coach not making the coach call a timeout to be able to look to see if they want to review it or not. Yeah. You go about yeah. it as if nothing's wrong. And if they can't get your attention, 
in the time it would regularly take you to grab a puck, go to center ice, drop the puck for a faceoff, then they don't get the chance to challenge it. That should be how it, it has is. to be signaled before the refs lift up their hand for that faceoff for the line change. What do you guys think about removing a overtime lower point or putting three points to a game? So this was also very, very popular. People want three points for a win, two for an overtime win, one for an overtime loss. So then the record system would be like the Olympics. It's like a three, two, one, zero format. It no. skews the records in history. I don't think you can do that. Three points per game is just yeah such a huge change. You can't do it. Also, it would put more of a gap in between games, right? Like uh, separates good teams from the bad and yada yada. I don't like it. It separates people, but it, it puts everybody at a more accurate standing based on their performance. Like you don't have teams that, you know, somehow squeak through with 15 losses in overtime to get those extra 15 points that you know, put them somewhere like those things don't happen. I think otherwise teams would be not that affected. Like I, I know you guys don't like this, but I, I kind of agree with this one. The teams that are at the top are going to pull ahead, but not, not by that much. Like it's just going to more accurately reflect how uh, everybody's performing in the season. Like, I think it just gives you less of an edge for, you know, having overtime wins and losses, which I think it should Go by go by points percentage. I would sooner get problem solved. Sorry, but, I'd sooner get rid of the extra point than to have an additional third like third point. But yeah, Beaner, <laughs> I think it kind of just leads me back to what what you said there. Just go by points percentage instead of points. Yeah, people argued that it kept playoff races tighter, which gives the NHL a few more weeks of higher intensity non playoff hockey. Uh, lastly, sorry guys, I know this take a little bit longer than expected. Uh, it's all good. Re- remove the trapezoid. I feel like you would appreciate this bean. And lastly, um, just to touch on the salary cap thing, adjust salary cap for taxes so that every team should have the same budget in after tax dollars. This seems really complicated because every state and province different some said it would be absolutely impossible some obviously loved it and that the nhlpa would love it as well i think it's a great idea if it's possible i just think it's possible you risk some teams just like kind of revolting right like some some teams would then be pushing back i just what i see is owners then getting involved in local politics and wanting to have tax things changed for the sake of the team or you have teams that say, I want to I want to move because the taxes here are better. Like, I just don't salary cap as it is, is a pain in the ass to have to think about as a fan of hockey. Like no other sports league really has to think about how much their players are getting paid. I don't want to also have to be an expert on the tax laws of every single state when I'm <laughs> it's coming to free agency or trade deadline. Like, oh, you know, the Buffalo Sabres actually can uh, make this trade because their tax situations it complicates trade i just don't want i don't want to have to learn more things to watch hockey about finances you know but as you were saying about then you have teams lobbying getting into politics i don't know about you but i would love it if mlse and the owners of the ottawa senators went to bat against doug ford to lower ontario's income tax rules because i hate seeing the amount of income tax i pay every goddamn paycheck (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah, I just don't like the idea of billionaires wanting to change things for the sake of their toy. Like, that's just... They do it anyways. They do, but, like, we're just giving another opportunity for it. And, and like I said, what it comes back to is I don't want to have to know the 
minutia of tax laws in every single yeah. state that a team is located in because that's just going to be a nightmare. I say luxury tax or just, yep. you know, like you said, a hard so, cap that's a hard cap. But yeah, make either it stick, stick with hard cap and make it legitimate across the board. And put it at like 90-something million that you can actually afford. I love the luxury tax idea. Every other league does it. Absolutely. Luxury tax idea is a really, really good idea. And if you're not going to go that far, even if you did like a – what is it football does? A franchise tag or something like that? Or the MLS has something similar where you can have designated players that you can basically give them whatever whatever they want. Oh um, yeah, in the MLB they have, or the, sorry, the NBA they have like the Larry Bird rule, which is something that I talked about early on in our show that they should have in the NHL, where it's like if it's a player that you drafted, um, there's no uh, limit on what you can sign them to to keep them or something like that. Like you don't lose them to free agency. Yeah. So like, so like Edmonton, you can give them an extra year or two. Edmonton, Edmonton could give McDavid a hundred million, and it's not going to count against the cap because. And especially in a a sport like hockey, one player isn't going to win it. This isn't the NBA. Yeah. It will count like towards the max cap that you can give someone, but it would not count like it's... Yeah, Yeah, sorry. So here's the Larry Bird rule. Allows teams to exceed the salary cap to re-sign their own free agents at an amount up to the minimum salary. So... Maximum salary. That's the thing that would change the NHL, right? Like you wouldn't see the Leafs losing guys every year to free agency because you can go over the salary cap to re-sign guys you already have up to a certain point like any any combination of these things would immensely affect the overall product of the nhl like you're just icing better teams top to bottom like are you telling me that this is really going to change how bad of a team like is this going to make the anaheim ducks not lose seven nothing tonight like if the leafs could spend more money and the anaheim ducks can't like, what was it? What was it going to be? Eight nothing? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, and then Steph, with regards to the trapezoid, the three M's are out of the league. Marty Turco, yeah, Marty Broder, and Mike Smith. Like, <laughs> r- realistically, that rule was put in because of those three goaltenders. You want to turn Jordan Bennington into one of them? Like it, it, it's I want to turn Jordan Bennington into something, but... Um, <laughs> Like, like these guys, not, not they didn't make a career of it because you can't say that was all Broder was clearly with the records he has, but he was his own defense pair back there. You couldn't yeah, dump and, and chase that's a against unique the guy. Skill. It's crazy unique. Harping for more goals with more goals. So if a def- oh, no, defense start, if a goaltender can bring that type of unique skill to the game, why not let him flourish in that? Yeah, let yeah. them screw well, up but, if they try it, right? That's, that's the other thing. You don't have a goalie going out to the top of the fit, you know, going out to the far corner to try to stop a puck and realizing, oh shit, I screwed up and he can't get back. It's exciting to shit. Let's let Markstrom fall on his ass 40 feet away from the net instead of 10. <laughs> yeah. I want an extra trapezoid placed in front of Bennington for all <laughs> games just to trap him right into the net. <laughs> They just they just draw one. It's like you can't leave this like a cat. You just draw the circle. You're gonna stay in this. You can't be trusted. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're we're long over. I think we should wrap it up here. That was a good thirty minutes on Batman's thirty years. I think we can call it. 
30 for 30 here. Okay. Well, we will catch you. When's the, what is that? The 17th. So Thursday against the Rangers. We will catch you Thursday evening for that one. Looking like an exciting one. The Leafs are on an absolute tear. So it's, uh, you know. By the way, we we touched on it a little, touched on a little earlier. This day in hockey history, Alex Ovechkin. Gets a hat trick against Peter Mrazek and the Chicago Blackhawks to Peter hit goal Marazic. number 800. Ayo. Peter Mrazek and the Chicago Blackhawks. I love that. Got Peter him on my fantasy team. Mrazek. <laughs> Toronto <laughs> trades Peter Mrazek to the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange. What was it? Future considerations? For nothing. Fifth? Get the hell out of here. A fifth? Seventh? No, it's yeah. and, and, and Toronto's first round pick for Chicago's second round pick. Right. Because Dubas loves trading down. Yeah, we traded down like eight spots because that really hurt us. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> oh, um, other update that we didn't talk about since last episode. Jason Robertson is going to miss, or sorry, Nick Robertson is going to miss some significant time with the Leafs here looking like six to eight weeks. It just sucks for that kid, eh? Yeah. It does. Like he's just had yeah, he was just carving out a spot. Yeah, he's he's had a really unfortunate development here. So I just wish the best for him, but it's not looking good. They didn't say broken collarbone, so that's a plus. Um just shoulder, no specifics. So six to eight mm. weeks, hopefully Ish. six and we'll see. We'll see. Okay doke. All right. We'll be back. Toodles. Have a good night. Uh, Remember to subscribe, like, follow, leave us a rating, leave us a review, and uh, win some hockey games. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Check out InsideTheRink.com for all your pre- and post-game articles. Leafs win baby seven. Nothing! Whoa! We have Batman until 2027. Yeah.